Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. James Lehman is a 50-year-old who was born, lives, and works in the beautiful island of Bermuda with his wife, Gabby. James is literally and figuratively here today to share with us his journey from being vegetarian for decades to strict plant-based vegan for five years, and most recently as an animal-based carnivore. As a vegetarian and vegan, James's health declined so much that he had multiple hospitalizations, autoimmune issues, anxiety and depression, and many other health problems. He ended up practically bedbound and severely malnourished for over a year. From listening to podcasts, reading books, and discovering the keto and carnivore diets, James has regained his health and through that process, found happiness and purpose in sharing his experiences. When he is not working as a life insurance underwriter, you can find him on Instagram, at The Carnivorist, where he shares his information about the benefits of animal foods in your diet. It is James's fundamental belief that we have a right to be healthy and happy no matter what stage you are in with your own healing journey. James Lehman, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Casey, this is an absolute honor for me, my friend. I am so pleased to be here. I can't even tell you. I have literally been counting down the days that we can chat in person, my friend. It is an unbelievable honor. Best to you and your wife, Bethany. Well, thank you so very much. And same to you, man. I have to just say your story is so amazing and impactful. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a really long time. I'm so glad I got to come across you on social media. Um, I, I think I goofed up your Instagram handle anyway. I told you I was going to goof up the introduction. The carnivorous, is that the best way to say it? That's correct. And you know, Casey, I took that name from, do you remember that, uh, do you recall that movie called The Machinist? No, I think it, it was. I want to say it was Ethan Hawke who did the machinist. I could be wrong. Anyway, I was toying around with a handle that wouldn't be as imposing as you know carnivore this and that. And basically, when you add ist to the end of a a, um, a suffix that you you can or, or prefix you, it implies that you're in the midst of studying something. So if you're a machinist, you're studying machines. So I wanted to be a carnivorist studying the carnivore way and just let people know that I'm not dogmatic in my approach to the carnivore diet. I, I do believe it has been one of the biggest game changers for me. But with that being said, you know, we're, we're all bio-individual. It's nuanced as we'll talk about in, in, in today in the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And I love the handle. It's one of those handles that when you see it, you're like, man, why didn't I come up with that? That's really good. I really like it. It is very impactful. And I just have to say, like, I'm so grateful for you for for helping share the message. And you've always been so supportive. I, I really so much appreciate it. And for nothing else, whenever we do an episode about carnivore, you'll take it, make it into a story. And I'm I'm so bad at Instagram and I'm so bad at social media. It's so nice to see that pop up and I can go, oh, I'm just going to share this. I don't know if this does anything, but now I don't have to do all that much work. And I, I just, I absolutely love that. And and all that to say, like the, the everything that you're putting on Instagram is very helpful. It's very practical and it's very powerful. So really, again, just very grateful for you and your work. I appreciate it, man. And, and kudos to you and your wife, Bethany. Um, Boundless Body Radio has been an infinite resource for me as I navigated through the very dark halls of um, metabolic illness. It, it was a very scary time. I only wish I had come up on it earlier, but I, um, I, I believe you hadn't even launched yet when I first started my my journey. Um, but the the good news is that I found you guys. I've listened to every single episode. I can't wait every week until it comes out. To you know, today's one was another just gem, and and I just want to thank you two for doing what you do because I sure you know already, but you guys are impacting so many people. 
so many wow. people. Well, again, thank you very much. That's the whole reason we do this. It, it is a lot of work and it's a it's a difficult process and it is expensive to put the podcast out there. But I think I think we're we have that in common where once you learn a message that is so powerful that can impact so many people, you can't shut up about it. And it doesn't matter whether you're getting you know compensated, compensated a lot. Like money is so secondary to the message. And you know, you and I were talking offline to have somebody say that, like, wow, this this helped me, this impacted me. That's that's it. Like, I don't, I don't care about any of the rest of it. That's, it makes it all worth it. I would rather lay in my bed at night having made no money and impacted somebody's life versus, you know, having some job that earns tons and tons of money, but, but has no impact. So I think we very much have that in common. Before we deep dive into your story, if you could tell us two or three things about Bermuda that we might not know. Sure. Um, we're most people think Casey we are down in the Caribbean <laughs> we are not we are our closest point of land is Cape Hatteras um, uh, North Carolina so we're out in the middle of the Atlantic off the co uh, the east coast of the United States um, and we're an island that's only 21 miles long and one mile wide at its widest point uh, we got about just about 60,000 people clinging to a rock out here in the middle of the ocean <laughs> um, <laughs> It is an absolutely beautiful place to live and grow up. Very expensive because we have to import pretty much everything here. Very expensive. Um, but the standard of living is high. Great educational system. Good infrastructure. A lot of international business because it's set up here because it's a tax haven. So we get a lot of U.S. companies. Ah. Uh, the company that I work for is based in the United States. And they set up here for that reason to be able to issue policies in Latin America and I have a Venezuelan wife, so that's a handy little thing to have. Great. Um, one interesting fact, and that'll, that'll be my last one, is that we catch our rainwater on our roofs. Our houses are made out of limestone, and the limestone purifies the water as it goes into our tank because we have no freshwater resources, right? So we're surrounded by salt water. We need to, and during this time when we don't get very little rain in the summer, we all have to conserve water. Wow. So it's a very scarce and important commodity for us Bermudians. Wow. So how is that fresh water? Is it amazing? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. When people come to Bermuda and I tell them we have some of the purest water you're ever going to drink. I mean, just literally falls from the sky into your tank and the tanks. Bermudians are impeccable about their tank cleaning because we have to live off it. We have to bathe and then wash our clothes in it and drink wow. it. So tank cleaning is a big thing, but it's really, really fresh and delicious tasting and so good. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. There's a spring not too far away from my house where I get water and just the taste of spring water versus the, the water that comes out of my fridge is totally different. And you did educate us about Bermuda. I thought you were going to say this is the place to come if you want to see like planes falling out of the sky and ships <laughs> sinking everywhere. Like that's basically all I knew about Bermuda before this. You want a five second story on, on the Bermuda Triangle? Absolutely. All right. Here's this for the Boundless Body uh, Radio listeners exclusive. Here we go. Exclusive. <laughs> My grandfather flew pl planes during the Second World War, and I'd always ask him, I said, you know, I called him Bombs. I said, Bombs, did you did you believe in the uh, Bermuda Triangle? And he said, well, I'm not so sure. He said, but what I can tell you is for whatever reason, back before radar and all the modern technologies that we have, you know, because him coming up as a boy, even through the First World War, when he was really young in the Second World War, he when he was uh, asked by the British Army to to serve. He said that what happens is there's some sort of magnetic field close to Bermuda, wherever it is. And what happened would be that these planes would be coming, not with the fuel payloads we have now, and they would, the instruments would spin and they'd lose their direction and they'd run out of gas and boop, into the ocean they went. So all these 
planes went missing when in actual fact, because of the magnetic field, the polarization, the compasses would spin, they'd lose their direction, out of gas in the ocean disappeared. Um, and then of course, we're, we're the northernmost point in the world that has coral reefs. And so many boats ran aground off our coral reefs and sunk. So there was all this, we, we were called the Isle of Devils when we were first <laughs> discovered. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. so awesome. I've learned so much about Bermuda already. Tell yeah. us what it was like to grow up there as we start to kind of set the stage yep. for your journey to health. Um, you know, let's, let's set some context. So how did your family end up in Bermuda and what was it like to grow up there? Sure. Um, my mom is a born Bermudian. As I mentioned to you, my grandfather, my mom's father came here when he was stationed with the uh, British during a war because we are a British territory to this day. We are part of the British um, territories. Um, my grandmother came up with the salt trade from the Turks and Caicos. Uh, so she was from the Turks and Caicos. Um, then my father came when he was very young from Canada uh, with his mother. His parents had separated and they came to Bermuda on a church tour and ended up meeting my mother when they were very young. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, took them in and basically showed them around the island. I mean, they were very young at the time. I'm talking 10 or 11. And they kind of grew up together and ended up getting married, uh, living in Bermuda because uh, it is an unbelievable paradise to stay. And yeah, the rest is history, as they, as they say. I'm, I'm one of three kids. I'm the eldest with my brother and sister. And uh, yeah, I've been born and raised, albeit you'll, you'll find out I spend a lot of my formative years in both boarding school and university in Canada because being a Canadian citizen through the virtue of my dad being Canadian, the education was cheaper for me to go over there for school. Plus, we don't really have any post-secondary education here. There's no universities. We have a college, but not really university. So most people uh, that want to pursue that go away. Yeah, gotcha. That's so interesting. Would you describe you being brought up? Uh, would you describe it like being very health conscious? Um, yes and no. Um, I think by by virtue of so many Bermudians love the outdoor sports life because you can play golf, uh, get in the water, ocean, do you exercise? You don't have to contend with the cold. You can exercise all year round. It's a very sporting community. Sailing, fishing golf, um, scuba diving, huge here. Um, like anywhere growing up, I think, you know, you noticed that the, the diet was a lot of British influence, let's say, you know, some places still serve tea in the afternoon here with uh, all the sandwiches and uh, cucumber sandwiches and, and clotted cream and scones and whatnot. It's a tradition. Nice. But uh, sadly, now, as we'll discuss, you know, the seed oils and standard American diet and it's, it's crept in here. Um, one other interesting fact is um, fast food chains were outlawed in Bermuda, but only one snuck in before the law came into effect in the 1950s, I believe it was, was Kentucky Fried Chicken. So we, wow. still, we have KFC here, but no other fast foods you can't set up here. That's amazing. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. w w when you were growing up, was the diet already pretty much westernized with all of those things that you mentioned, like the seed oils and grains and sugar and that kind of thing? When I was when I was young, yeah, I, I, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it, but I think it, it was 1977, the whole George McGovern thing, we all know where yeah. <laughs> the U.S. dietary Yikes. guidelines were changed. Um, I was born in 1972, so 77 being five years old. Uh, I can remember back then when, you know, sort of even my mother and father were, became aware of the, you got to eat high carb, low fat, you know, everything was low fat and switch to margarine and you know, these things are healthy for you. My, my diet growing up, unfortunately, because of one of three kids, they were busy parenting family. It was expensive grocery shopping here, having to import most of the stuff. So we had a lot of quick 
what they thought were healthy. And so did I cereals in the morning and things like pop tarts to make it easy. And, um, you know, the vegetable oils became part of the, the norm. And it, it's just, unfortunately, now even more pervasive. And now we know how deadly they can be. Right. Yeah, I was I was just describing to one of my clients growing up and, and, you know, toasting white toast, putting the margarine all over it. And then we had this special shaker that was a 50-50 combination of cinnamon and sugar. And oh. you would just douse the it's toast. Just... Casey, were you in my household growing up? If, when, <laughs> Did you have that when, too? Yeah, when, if and when my dad ever listens to this podcast, he will smile because he was the one that introduced us to the cinnamon, sugar, and toast every morning. That was the staple. A piece of white toast. Uh, margarine all over it and then cinnamon combined with sugar mind you because cinnamon wasn't sweet enough on it and cut in half and we'd have that with our our whole grain cereal the cheerios or even god forbid frosted flakes or something like that delicious <laughs> oh man <laughs> such a nutrient powerhouse <laughs> yeah seriously seriously it's amazing that we we you succeeded in any way in life after oh. eating all of that stuff oh, and, and man. speaking of like tell us a little bit about your transition over to vegetarian when did you decide that sure. you know low fat was good but i need to mix up more of the kind of vegetarian meal into your diet Sure. I ended up and I'll give you the um, sort of crib notes version because I can I can tend to tell a story really well. I'm sure you can your listeners can uh, empathize with now. Um, I um, I went away to boarding school when I was 15 years old, and that was a really formative thing for me. First time I ever saw snow when I went to Canada at 15. Amazing experience. And um you know, we were fed, uh, we were fed by another person. It wasn't you going home and making your own little snack yourself coming home from school or your mother or father feeding you with someone else and you had to rely. So I ended up eating a lot healthier during my little um, boarding school and beginning of university experience. But I ended up dating a young lady uh, at the time who was vegetarian and, you know, more props to her Casey, because back in the, the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, there wasn't a lot of options in the grocery store. Um, and she's since gone on to be a vet veterinarian. So you can tell her her feelings towards animals. Um, so, you know, I had to impress a girl. And I'll, I'll come right out and say it, man, I, I, <laughs> I wanted to make things as easy as possible and not as awkward as, as, as could be if, and at the time I was thinking, I'm probably doing the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm probably, you know, there was a lot of stuff out there on the dangers of red meat and it can cause cancer. And if you eat high fat and if you eat these things, you're going to get heart disease. And I thought, well, vegetarian sounds good. It's just easier. We're cooking. We were in university together. Cooking was simpler. Grocery shopping was easier. And I, I made the switch to a vegetarian diet and that stayed with me for decades, decades, literally. decades. Wow. Yeah. What what kind of animal products stayed in the diet on your vegetarian diet? Great question, Casey. I actually was thinking about this prior to our chat. And I was like, you know, I kept in eggs. She was a she actually was a big fan of eggs. And 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 I kept in dairy. And I think that saw me through because apart from that, there was a lot of processed stuff, a lot of chips, a lot of, you know, microwave meals, a lot of seed oil laden stuff um you know you, you know university what it was like man ramen noodles and you're yeah. two and two in the morning eating at a, at a cart outside after you've had a few beers and the, the diet was just not good and it stayed with me for sure mm. for, for quite a long time and what would you say would be the proportion of animal foods to vegetable foods when you say eggs is this like a few a week a few a day dairy products like daily weekly 
certainly I was a sucker for cheese and I'm back to being one. I, I, I love it. And it's my weakness. Um, uh, eggs a couple of times a week, I would have said a couple of times a week when we could get them usually on the weekends, you know, when we had a little bit more time to cook the eggs and clean up afterwards. Um, usually in university time, we'd be waking up scrambling to get on and cereal down the gullet and off you go to school. If you even ate breakfast back then, cause you're running to class, but yeah, th those were the main things, eggs and cheese. I think that I kept in. Okay, gotcha. And, and it's so difficult to tell, you know, the nutritional deficiencies when they start to come on, because you're right, like if somebody goes, you know, full vegan, it seems to be and, and we'll get into this when we talk about your story into veganism, but it seems to be year four, year five, you start to really see some of those things kind of build up. But you're right, like just including some eggs, some dairy products, you know, some fish, I know fish got added back into your diet when you went back to the island, that yes. can really help even just a little bit like having something once a week, once a month is, is, is so much better than trying to cut all of them out the whole time. Absolutely. And you're absolutely correct. When I returned to Bermuda after my university career, um, being from an island and being surrounded by this beautiful salt water and access to the most unbelievable fish selection that you could imagine from yellowfin, bluefin, tuna to local snappers and you name it. And I, I knew growing up, I had eaten so many fish, I added the fish back in there. And it definitely did hold me over whilst I was a, a vegetarian, for sure, having access to the, even if this, the most minute amounts kept me going, for sure, kept me going while I was vegetarian. So while you were in this vegetarian phase, did you notice anything going awry with your health at that point? Um, I sure did, Casey. And, and, you know, they say hindsight is 2020. Um, yeah. Looking back, I started to, I started to put on a lot of weight because I was eating a lot of breads and pasta to, to reach satiety. I was just mashing back so many crackers and chips and pastas dishes with tomato sauce and breads all the time. I was a bread fiend. Um, and I started to notice when I was in my thirties, I would get a lot of uh, headaches. And then I started coming down with a lot of uh, pain in my, for your men out there, pain in the groin, which they thought was uh, something called epididymitis. I don't know if you've ever heard of that I haven't. Uh, a recurring infection of the testicles in men and where wow. they swell and are so painful and they I was given I count out can't count how many times I went to the emergency room with unbelievable pain there and they gave me um ciproflaxin I must have been floxed by the time I was and for those that don't know what that is when you, you get symptoms from taking too much of those uh, fluoroquinolone uh, antibiotics, and it really wrecks your gut. Um, wow! But I should have I should have noticed these things, but I, I didn't. I just thought they were one offs. And then I, I one day I got um, frozen shoulder, <laughs> which I now know can be actually due to um, oxalate toxicity, which we'll talk about later on. And yeah. that was unbelievable. But uh, just memory starting to go a little bit, headaches, uh, as I told told you about those epididymitis uh, symptoms. Um, putting on weight like crazy. I wasn't healthy. I was, I, my, I could tell my anxiety levels were coming up then too and stress. So yeah, should have noticed. Yeah, but, but it's so pervasive. Everybody experiences so many of those things in their day to day. So it's so easy to just write it off. Oh, I'm just aging. This is what it's like. I've got the dad bod. I'm adding, you know, the extra weight. And since everybody out there is doing the same thing, you almost don't, you, you kind of like write it off as like, this is normal. It's not normal. It's just that we're, we're so poor on our diet that it's become average, it's become normalized. This is it. This is it. I mean, I looked, I looked around, everyone else was doing 
similar, if not worse things that I thought than me at the time. Um, and I, I thought, well, this just must be me getting old. This just must be what happens. And uh, I kept trucking along and little did I know I was, I was building up for something worse. Wow. So crazy. Okay. So as we set that stage, I just want to ask you at that time, did you consciously think that the diet was a net benefit to you? Did you think you were doing the right thing or was it just something like you started with these habits and they just kind of continued along or were you like very deliberately following this diet and thinking that it was really helping you? You know, that's a good question, Casey. I have to look back and think because in my boarding school days when I told you I was eating meat and a lot of it, I was, you know, I was a good athlete. I was rowing. It was on crew at the time, which, you know, you got to be pretty in good shape. I did yeah. triathlons, played basketball. Um, and then I made the switch to vegetarianism and, you know, being in university, I, I think I didn't tell your listeners, but I ended up separating my shoulder, which kind of kiboshed my um, basketball career pretty, pretty quickly. And I, st I stopped exercising a lot. And it, it, one, because I was you know, busy with university and, you know, out partying and doing these fun things. But when I came back to Bermuda and I was in my working career, um, you know, you're in your nine to five and I stopped. And I, but I, I honestly thought that the diet would be my foil against lack of ex exercise because I was thinking, yeah, this is supposed to be a pretty healthy way to eat. I'm not eating a lot of the red meat and chicken and other things that are supposed to be quote unquote bad for you, you know, all the healthy fats, I'm eliminating those. Um, so I'm um, got my margarine, got my gluten-free breads and pasta and just kept cramming them down my throat. Wow. Wow. So interesting. Okay. So let's talk about your transition from vegetarianism to more strict veganism. When did that start? To... <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. When, when did that start to become a part of your consciousness as something that you wanted to do? And what were the motives? Yeah. So I um, met my current wife and um, we, you know, being a vegetarian and, and living together, we decided that we were, and God bless her. She said, we're going to, we're going to be healthier. She, she could see that I was, had been putting on weight and it was stressed out and going to get back into exercise. She actually got me started on some yoga and things like that. She's an unbelievably uh, fit young lady and still is. And she started to kind of adapt to my way of living as, as one do one does as couples, or at least ask questions. Oh, yo, do you eat this, eat this? And she said, well, let's, um, she started looking into veganism and we started watching a lot of the films centered around vegan eating and how it would be better for the planet and how it's better for your health and, um, you know, game changers and, and not forks over knives and things like that. And I have to admit to you in my hand of my heart, Casey, we, we, we bought into it hook, line, and sinker. We did because we thought, all right, we're already sort of vegetarian-ish and we can do this. It's for our health. Um, you know, a lot of the scenes they painted with the way, the way the animals were treated, we, we said, okay, we don't, we don't like that. Let's do this for our health. Let's do it for the planet. We can do this. And um, she actually went out and was, was and got certified as a fully trained professional plant-based chef. So I was eating wonderful, wonderful plant-based meals wow. at home, not just microwave store-bought stuff. She was, this was whole foods, plant-based all the way. Yeah, yeah. So this is not the same kind of quality of diet as you were doing before on vegetarianism. Now this is like, you're, you're doing it as well as one could do it. I would say a hundred percent. Yes. As well as we could do it. And, you know, some of the dogma we can talk about later coming from the vegan side was that oh you got sick because you must have not been doing the diet right that that's the only reason i, I can tell people hand on my heart that 
we were doing it right. I mean, we were eliminated most of the bad oils. We were using avocado and olive oil. We were had cut down a lot on the sugars, albeit that we did eat some sweet stuff, you know, plant-based um, foods, including nuts, you know, the almond stuff and keto style treats that didn't have any dairy. Uh, but our meals were home cooked, whole foods, plant-based, you know, restaurant quality dinners because she was training to become her, her to, excuse me, to get her certifications in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So every diet has pros and cons. Some things improve, some, thing, some things don't improve. What were some of the benefits of going from vegetarianism to veganism, especially initially? Yeah. Initially, I, I can tell you, I mean, I started to lose weight, which I, was a goal of mine. Um, I started to have more energy, more um I'm more ideal to exercise, got in the exercise. And that was partly because I was feeling better and losing weight. Um, I felt like not only was I doing the right thing, like I said, for the planet. So, you know, my, my brain was going, this is not only good for everyone else, this is good for you. I was, my mood was good. My energy levels were good and things got better for a while. They did, honestly, they got better. And looking back at it now, it's because I eliminated all the, a lot of the toxic, heavy sugar laden breads and pastas and, and, you know, processed foods, seed oils and the like out of my diet. But yeah, I felt good for a while for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And that's such an interesting part of that message is when you know that whatever you're doing is helping yourself, but it's also helping the planet. That is really, really powerful. That's an amazing message to think that I can make an impact. I, I have so much respect for that. I think that's wonderful. And I think a lot of us, you know, would would believe that because it makes so much sense on paper. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we were proud of it. We, um, you know, when we went out to eat, uh, the seldom times that we did, we would let people know. And at the time, veganism was still on the cusp of just coming out and or not coming out, but just being more popular, let's say. And uh, it was uh, it was a point of pride for the both of us, I have to say. It really was. Yeah, that's very interesting. I saw today that Dr. Chafee sent out a message, Dr. Anthony Chafee, known as the Plant Free MD. He's got this great podcast. He put out a post um, that showed a screenshot of him reaching out to a vegan to see if this person wouldn't mind coming on his show to answer some questions about the diet. And I saw that and I immediately responded in the comments and said, I, I would be willing to bet a large sum of money that you never hear back from this person. And I, I don't exactly know what it is. I've personally tried to reach out to several, even, you know, not to host on the show, but even like on Twitter, like, can we like, can I ask you some questions? I'm really curious. I would love to get your feedback. And I get blocked. And, and it doesn't seem like I... I can't, I have a really difficult time getting answers from people who are currently practicing. So the best way I guess I can ask this question is to ask people who were formerly vegan and, and, veg and vegetarian, but primarily vegan, could, could you and I have had a conversation about the difference in our diets at that time when you were really into veganism? For myself, I would say yes, absolutely. You could. I could. Cool. I could. Now, with that being said, during my vegan days, I also, like you, when the, you know, I start, first started out on Instagram and, and Facebook and those things as, as a vegan, I noticed that certain folks you could not have that conversation with. And I didn't really understand why, because my thing is we're all trying to be as healthy as, or at least I think we're all hoping for the best health we can as we get older. And if I have a belief that this way of eating is going to make me healthier, 
and I have some tips to give you. And I feel that you can also have some tips to give me. Let's share ideas. Let's come together and, and talk this out. But people, the dogma that was pervasive was really not only strange, but just, you know, sort of off-putting to me at some points. Um, not that I thought the diet was wrong, but I could see it, especially, you know, well, you're not doing it right, as I mentioned earlier. And, and oh, wow, you're still including certain things. You should be a fruitarian. That's the way to go. Or, you know, it's it's really it's really sad when that happens. So I feel for you if you reached out to people and they don't get back to you. That's that's not a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think we, I, I think you're so right in the sense that we all have so much more in common than we do have differences. And we've talked about it before on this show. It's like you have a scale and animal based is way over here and vegetarian vegan is way over there. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's redo the scale. Let's include everybody in the on you know in the country or with planet whatever and let's take the small slice of people who care about their diet whether they're you know vegan vegetarian vegan or carnivore we have so much more in common than the rest of the world who's eating complete junk like at the very least we can have some common ground there this is it this is it and sadly as we can discuss it maybe now or a little later on as we talk um the dogma is creeping into the the carnivore diet as well um we you and i have seen it i think i shared a post with you uh, or a message on instagram and my fundamental thing is we all need to link arms somewhere somehow we need to find common ground with people and realize that everyone is individual everyone is going on their own journey we're we only have this body once during this lifetime we're all trying to do the best with it we can and understand that everyone's background, where they are, where they came from to this current point in time is going to be different, just, just, just like that. And, you know, for the carnivores out there, and I, I truly believe now this is the way we were meant to eat as, as human beings, you know, and it doesn't have to be strict, but if you include mostly animal foods in there, from my perspective, that's a wonderful thing. And you're, you're ahead of so many other people in the game, but to be dogmatic and make people feel like they're inferior because they're not following your ideal ideologies. It's just never a good thing. It's just not a good thing. You have to welcome people. You know, we're all trying here, right, Casey? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at this point, you've already mentioned the game changers and what an amazing piece of propaganda that was. That was so, so, so well done. But I was a little bummed out when I saw that members of our community did a debunking video, which is totally fine. But at the same time, they were kind of making fun of some of the people in game changers. And and you know what? That bummed me out a little bit. I, I don't think that really pushes the message forward and and you know tries to build bridges with people i think the more that we're like belittling other people it just i don't i don't jive with that kind of thing man i think we can stick to the facts and we can show the facts and we can live our lives as an example which is something you posted about today which i absolutely love but but to come out and like make fun of other people for whatever their choices are i i'm not a fan absolutely casey and and you'll see me when i post things that are poking fun or humorous on Instagram, I try to make fun of myself because I don't want to make fun of other people. I don't know what their journey's like. It's not, it's not nice. It's not my, nice to feel that way at all. And, and I, I just want to make, I, I make fun of myself because I, I look back now from where I am now to what I was thinking then. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I fell for that hook, line and sinker. <laughs> and, you know, you, you look at things like game changers and the dietary guidelines in the U S from 1977 and what we should eat and shouldn't eat and things like forks over knives. You know, now that I've gone down the rabbit hole on most regenerative farmers and how they actually take care of their animals and want to treat the soil and the earth and do better for the planet. And yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's just not a nice thing to make fun of other people to gain leverage for your followers or their Instagram likes. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I love that you take that approach on social media. Let's get back to your journey. Yep. Everything is improving. You're feeling really good. Where do the wheels start to come off? Yeah, let's say right around the fifth year of veganism, things start to start to get bad. You know, I uh, was working uh, and started to notice vision problems. Uh, my eyes started getting blurry. Um my memory was getting worse. I was thinking, man, I would, I've been taking exams up to that point. I couldn't remember anything. I started to notice my, my pants were fitting looser. Like I had been going to the gym, but I wasn't expecting to be losing all this weight. Um, then all of a sudden severe constipation kicked in to the point where it was painful. I literally looked like I was pregnant and I had issues there. My skin started getting flaky. My hair was falling out. Um, I, started, like I mentioned to you, losing weight with, with not, not only just putting as much as I could in my mouth, I couldn't keep the weight on. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. And, you know, I thought to myself, something is, something is really, really wrong here. Um, I'm starting to get nervous. So I went and got a bunch of tests done with my GP and, you know, my thyroid was starting to get out of whack as well. I was hypothyroid and then swung over to hyperthyroid and was going all over the place. And, uh, but they couldn't exactly nail it down. And uh, it was right around this time that the pandemic hit. And I remember right before the pandemic hit that December 2019, I went up to Virginia where my parents have a second home and, and went, I actually had to go to hospital because I had severe blood in my stool that was definitely not normal, just blood like crazy. It would not stop. And, uh, you know, I, I went to hospital there. They found out actually amongst one of the things I had, I had a, a um, quite a, a rare bacterial infection. Um, who knows how I got that? So it was lucky they found that, that they just said, let it run its course. I don't know how well that worked out for me because uh, it continued to get worse for me. But um, I came back home with the full intention, uh, which is why I couldn't have the colonoscopy because I had a bacterial infection. Because as you know, when you have any infection to, for the safety of the doctors and others, you cannot have a colonoscopy um, because it can transfer on equipment and everything else. So came back home, the pandemic hit, and I just continued to spiral downhill. And the hospital here, because we have a very small hospital closed down for any sort of quote unquote elective surgery, small surgeries, because they wanted to save the room, the little room we had for the COVID patients at the time. And... I was, I was terrified for my life. I, it was a scary time, Casey. That's all I can say to your listeners. Um, you're losing weight. You're bleeding out of your bowels. Um, you can't remember anything. You're getting weaker and weaker. Uh, I remember trying to uh, get up and use the bathroom. I couldn't do it. Um, go back to bed. Um, if I did, it was pretty much mostly blood. And uh, yeah. It was it was a tough time, man. That's that's well, that's what happened. It it went downhill and it went downhill pretty quickly. Wow. So again, hindsight twenty twenty. When you it's a similar question to before. When you look back at your diet at that time, you have to be thinking this is the healthiest diet I can possibly be on. I'm doing myself as many favors as I possibly can. What the hell else is going on? Did it even occur to you that the diet was maybe detracting, or did you still think this is what's helping? I thought this was what's helping. Um... And I'm sorry, my voice is getting lower there, just a little emotional, because when I think about those times and just feeding myself all what I know now to be so terrible for my digestion, I mean, I went pretty deep, Casey, I, I was pounding the kale smoothies, 
I had found this doctor online who was a vegan doctor because I never thought the diet could be wrong. I thought there's no way the vegan diet is the ultimate. I'm eating whole foods, plant-based. This can't be it. I've just got to keep going. I've got to suffer through this. And I found this uh, plant-based doctor online who said she cured her auto autoimmune diseases uh, by juicing kale smoothies at every spinach and kale loaded with fruit at every meal and uh, with chia seeds included. And I pounded them every day, packed a whole bag of spinach, whole bag of kale, pounded them, pounded them. And it was literally ripping my intestines apart. I didn't know any better at the time. I thought this was going to heal me and it was literally killing me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I appreciate you going here with us and I know how difficult this is, but I, I do have to ask, like, what, oh, what man, do you yeah. consider, what do you consider to be the low point? Where was rock bottom for you? I was laying in bed and hadn't been able to move because I was so exhausted and so weak at 128 pounds and a, like a 27 inch waist at, at a six foot two human. I looked at myself in the mirror as I went into the bathroom and had to give myself an enema because I couldn't, I couldn't go to the bathroom any other way. And I continued to bleed and I thought to myself, I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to cheer myself up a little bit here. And went outside. We, as you may or may not know, we ride mopeds here in Bermuda as a form of transportation. And I said to myself, well, I'm going to go for a little drive that lasted about three to four seconds because not only could I not lift it off the stand when I did manage to get off the stand, it fell on top of me and I was, I was too weak to, to get it up. So I had to call for help and get somebody else to pick it up off me. And that was it for me. I said, something's got to, something's got to change here, Casey. So this is just not normal. What am I doing? What's going to happen? And I remember going back inside and breaking down in tears and with my wife and saying, I, I don't know if I'm going to be around for you. I'm really scared. We, we shed a lot of tears together that, that day. I can recall it vividly. Yep. Wow. I, you know, I listened to a podcast recently with one of the passengers in the plane that uh, Captain Soli piloted. Um, mm -hmm. So, so basically saved the entire plane. Nobody died, but, but hearing the call that like brace for impact and like just immediately knowing like, I'm going to die. Like there's no way out. I'm going to die. And th there was this feeling of like, it's not, he, went, he didn't feel panicked, um, but he just, he just said like, I'm, I'm really kind of bummed. I'm bummed that I don't get to see my kids grow up. And I thought that was really powerful. And from that, he made what he calls his collecting bad wines um, idea in life. And what he does is like, if anytime there's an occasion, any kind of occasion, he uses the very best wine. And so he ends up with yes. all these like really crappy wines because he, his appreciation for life completely shifted at that time. Did, did you have a similar experience where getting that close to death and getting that close to saying goodbye to your loved ones, did that give you a different perspective on life after the, afterwards? 150% of that is such a great story. I love that. I have heard you tell that one before. And I just love that story. It really resonates with me. Um, you know, you know, I also should tell your listeners that not only, not only at this time when the pandemic it hit, was my health going down the toilet, but I lost my job. So I had no health insurance or anything on top of that. So I had to figure out a way out. <laughs> it was incumbent on me to do everything I could because I didn't have any money to pay for doctor's visits, even if I could go to one um, or let alone if I needed major surgery. Um, I mean, of course, if that was the case, I would have done it, but we couldn't. There was no option. So I had to figure out a way out. Um, but I, I found solace in podcasts. I asked my wife 
you know, I, I can't really take anything in the brain fog is kicking my rear end and I'm struggling. And she said, well, why don't you try listening to podcasts? And, and I did. And I found Sally Norton. God bless her. <laughs> you know, um, lost seasonality and the overconsumption of plants, that beautiful YouTube video that is, was put up there. And I came across that one day and I, and I watched it and immediately I thought there's hope. I think I know what's going on here. <laughs> immediate. <laughs> you know? So it was immediate. Uh, I, yeah. I, I really thought, okay, maybe I'm doing this all wrong. There's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> so, so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. So from that discussion, what things did you take away and what things did you start to shift? Yeah. So I, I thought, well, okay, so let me get this straight. Let me rewatch this again. So we've been over consuming plants because they've been bred to uh, avoid seasonality. Whereas in the past, if we did consume them, consume them, especially, um, you know, in different areas of the world, we wouldn't have access to them. Um, so we've been breeding them. They're always available now in every grocery store you go to. And moreover, plants have these defense chemicals in them. You know, uh, Sally preaches about the oxalate ones, which are harmful to humans. If you eat them in any meaningful volume, even if it's not a me meaningless volume, they're still can be harmful to you. But I mean, as a vegan plant-based, I was shoveling some of the worst offenders into my mouth every single day from beet tops to beets, to chia seeds, to turmeric powder, to spinach, to kale, uh, juicing these things, which is even a worse form of doing it because it's so much more bioavailable and wrecks your system. But these crystals are literally lethal. And I thought, okay, so what you're telling me is that the plants that I've been eating are probably contributing towards my ill health. And I went down the rabbit hole deep, Casey. I, I thought, okay, I'm going to go, man. I'm going to just search whatever I can on oxalates. And I went into oxalates. I listened to every podcast that she had done to that time. And then I went on and like you, I found, God bless him, Dr. Sean Baker's post on, on Rogan and watched it for the first time. And I, and like you, I admitted to myself, I don't think I can do this. This guy's crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. And it was something that I pondered over for at least a couple of weeks before I said, okay, I'm going to introduce animal foods again. Because what I did, and I had mentioned this on previous talks that I've done, is that I actually lowered the oxalates first rather than introducing the animal foods. So what I thought was, okay, I'm going to lower the oxalate stuff, get the low ox foods, and then introduce if, if I need to animal foods. So it took a little while between that jump. So how, how was that first transition though? Did you see results from just lowering the high oxalate foods and staying plant-based vegan? I did, believe it or not, a couple of wow. weeks later, some of the, I mean, I didn't even mention the crazy body pain I had throughout my body when I was bedridden. I was bedbound for the better part of a year. I mean, I moved to try and shower and go to the bathroom when it was when I could, but I went back to the bed. I was so weak, I couldn't get, pick up almost a five pound dumbbell, but um, I saw improvements from the severe body pain, the fibromyalgia I had, which was just rampant. I was so angry and anxious and depressed because I couldn't figure out what was going on. But immediately after going sort of low ox, I could feel those pain in my joints and my digestion going, oh my God, we're, we're having a break. The bombs have stopped. Please make them stop. It was pretty incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So when you finally decided to add in more animal products, I, I want to ask what that journey was like, but what, how, how was the cognitive dissonance of that? After you've, after you've been you know, in the vegan world and thoroughly convinced that this is the best thing for me, 
And and again, we talked about it earlier. This is the best thing for the planet. You have a responsibility. You feel like you're doing something for the the health of the planet. What was that cognitive dissonance like? It was it was very difficult. It was a tremendous battle, Casey, to 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 make this sit well in my mind. Um, I had. I thought to myself, if I was going to do this, I got to do this the right way, my man. I've got to figure out where I'm not putting a lot of harm on the animals, even if I reintroduce them. Um, I'm going to study about, uh, you know, the dairy farmers and the ranchers and see how they treat their animals. And I was going to go grass fed and I was going to do regenerative farming and I was going to do pastured eggs. And, you know, I, I went down a lot of a lot of avenues to begin with, because even now, even now as a I would say I am 95% carnivore. I still have them. We can talk about that later on, but I still care how animals are treated. That, that, that hasn't left me. You know, I want them to be treated well whilst they're, I may use them as nutrition, um, but whilst they're alive, I want them to be treated fairly and equitably and, and have a good life while they're out there on pasture. I do. I, I want to, I want that. And, you know, anyone who mistreats animals on purpose is not a, not exactly a great human being. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. And I see so much of that in this space. And even people that do like simple things like hunting and fishing. I was just out on a camping trip not too long ago. And this older couple was up there fishing. And you could tell they were so gentle with the fish. Mm-hmm. They would push the barbs in so it wouldn't really harm the fish. And, and they would always catch and release. And if the fish swam away, then it got away and was fine. But but if the fish didn't get away and, and stayed and passed away, that, that, that was their food. And they, they you could see that level of respect that they had for that animal. And I see that across the board in this community. This is not a community of people that hate animals. They actually really love animals and respect them and want them to be treated fairly. Yeah. And one of the things my wife and do and I do before every single meal is just give thanks to the animal for nourishing our bodies. You know, the circle of life, I believe it in that. We're, I'm going to be turned to dust one day as well and go back into the earth. And so when we have our meal, it's just a small thing that we do, but we pray and we say thank you to the animals for, for allowing us to heal and giving us the nutrition that we, that we need to serve better. I love that. That's so beautiful. So, okay. So physically, when you start integrating more animal products in, what does that look like? Where did you start and, and what things improved then? Yep. I started with fish first because I knew it. It was, it was the, the evil that I knew. <laughs> and I, I, I say that with all kidding. Um, but in all actuality, it's, it's much easier. It was much easier to digest for me because I tried a few things. I'll be honest. I tried a few, I said, oh, okay, I'm going to take a piece of Turkey, something chicken breast, pretty benign. Right. And it, it didn't sit well, I'll be honest with you. Um, but fish for whatever reason, maybe I was still having the enzymes and, and body knowledge from my vegetarian days but it worked well so i i added salmon back in was the first one i remember and man (laughs) i remember that first piece of salmon that i had it was unbelievable it was really good um my digestion suffered a little bit but i was so happy that i was able to get it down get it in my stomach and hey we're we're off to the races now um because as you may or may not know when you're a vegetarian for so long and then vegan, your body stops producing a lot of the enzymes that break down the meat products. Um, so I had to supplement quite heavily. And one of the main things is your stomach acid lowers. It lowers anyway as we get older, but you know your stomach acid definitely lowers when you go on a plant-based diet because it doesn't have to work as hard. It's just all that fiber coming through. There's nothing to break down in terms of amino acids in the meat, right? So I had to figure out that I had to supplement not only with digestive enzymes and quite a few um, betaine HCL tablets to help me digest the meats and fish that I was eating, but um, 
it was a slow process, but it was one that was remarkable in terms of how I felt. The main thing for me, Casey, was the brain switching back on. The main thing was that brain fog lifting, man. And I, there's a lot of my symptoms that I would never, ever want again in a lifetime, but that's severe debilitating brain fog where you just feel like you're in a cloud all day and echoing and tinnitus ringing in your ears. You literally, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get out of bed. It's too much, man. It's ridiculous. Wow. That is absolutely crazy. Every vegan who transitions back onto animal, you know, some animals in the diet, they always describe that first bite. And it, it seems like the fog lifting, the lights turn on, like all, it, it, it almost seems like within minutes, it's a, it's a complete game changer. Oh yeah. It was for me. I, I took that bite and for sure. I mean, I won't say mine was minutes, but certainly later that day, I was like, wow, I'm, I feel a little bit clearer headed. Gabby, I, it's my wife. I said, I feel a little bit better. My energy feel, I feel like I could just go for a little, a little walk outside or something. She was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Wow. And as a plant-based chef, how was she responding to all of this? Oh, she's fantastic. Um, she's been um, actually slowly adding in back animal foods to her diet and, as well and seeing tremendous results for her. Tremendous. I mean, Casey, these, you know, one of the things I can, I keep, please apologize to your listeners. As I recall things, my testosterone went in the toilet on the vegan diet. I mean, it was terrible. This is eating meat and eating fat is how we build hormones, right? This is, you know, I knew I was coming up then in my 45 and 50, but it, when I'd say you went off a precipice, it just went shoom. And, uh, you know, same for females, even more importantly for females is getting that healthy fats in the diet. And, um, you know, as especially in their childbearing years and, you know, coming up to uh, later stages in life, they need to, we all need to be having that to avoid sarcopenia, muscle wasting as we get older too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. She's been tremendously, tremendously supportive. People ask me often ask me, you know, who would I like to thank? And she's number one on the list. She stuck through me, Casey, through some pretty dark days, scary days. And also ones where I was not fun to be around. You know, I was scared for my life and you know, when you're in that brain fog and not thinking straight and your memory's going and you're worried about yourself and worried about people you may be leaving behind, you're the depression and anxiety was not good. And she stuck with me through those dark times, man. It's incredible. Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you, Gabby. That's absolutely amazing. As you as you're transitioning back on animal foods, when do you start to think about doing a carnivore diet and go, you know, fully into eating animal products? Yeah, man, that was that that was that infamous Dr. Baker episode on Rogan. Um, it took me a few days to process everything. I must have watched it three or four times. And then I started digging down again on more podcasts. And I, I and I found, you know, Dr. Chafee when he was first starting out. I remember his first ones, you know, how to carnivores on his series. Yeah. Um, really good. I, I found Dr. Ken Berry, who's um, a really wealth of information. Um, and I found carnivore yogi, Sarah Kleiner. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I just listened and I thought, okay, these, I said to myself, Casey, these are doctors here talking to me about this and the benefits of, of, of eating this way. I said, there's gotta be some credence. There's gotta be some truthfulness to this. Um, and just the way they presented the information, I couldn't ignore it. And I said, yeah, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I know what I need to do. And I started and it, you know, I went through the transitionary uh, phase, the fat adaptation phase, and, and my, my journey is ongoing, but from how I feel currently to where I was a year ago is night and day. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. These, this is why we're having this conversation. I want people to know there is hope. 
there is hope when you're in your darkest days, when you're lying there thinking, okay, is this my last day? You can heal. There are ways. There is a lot of effort involved. You have to put in the effort to get back the reward. It's there's nothing is given freely. It really isn't. And um, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a long road, but one that was filled with emotions, both positive and up and downs. Um, but I have my life back and I will be forever, ever grateful for that. Forever. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's, that's amazing. You sent me an interview a few weeks ago um, of Sally Norton, who we've been talking about uh, appearing as a guest on Daniel Vitalis' podcast, his podcast, his original podcast was the first one that I ever found. And so I'm really familiar with him and his work and, and so many of the things that I've learned about health, I, I have to attribute to him, which is great. And in the interview, he kind of, he kind of joked a little bit about how, you know, of course, somebody being a vegan would, would then go to carnivore just to swing, you know, the pendulum the other way. And, you know, kind of, kind of like, you know, poke, poke the bear, I guess, to some of the vegans. And I'm glad Sally said what she did. She was like, no, 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 people are not going over to carnivore diets because they're trying to, you know, have that pendulum swing or be the anti-vegans. And you know, people go to carnivore to heal themselves. And I'm really glad she said that because I have certainly found that to be the case. Like, I don't see a lot of people that are eating only meat just because they want to show the vegans what's up. Like they are doing it for very real reasons. And a lot of that has to do with that healing that you're talking about. Casey, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, from my experience so far as a sort of newbie-ish carnivore, uh, I just can't thank the community enough for everything that they do. I mean, it's because when you get this healing that is possible on the carnivore way of eating, you have to tell people about it. So many of our friends that we've chatted to, so many of these doctors themselves have, have been healed through eating this way. And it is, you know... The best testimony, as I said today, is a changed life, isn't it? And you have to get out there and, and tell people, I was looking forward to this and sharing my experience so much, man. I felt like a kid on Christmas morning to come on Boundless Body Radio, which I have so much respect for you guys, as I mentioned early on. And just to be able to tell my story, even if it impacts one person, I feel like today was worth it for me. Uh, I, I just want to get that message out there. And for people... I'm not telling you, you have to go whole carnivore to heal yourself. Experiment with, with, with what works for you. Don't be afraid to experiment. Try things. If you're coming from a plant-based background and you are, are a vegan background and, and you're not thriving, you know, think about it and say, okay, well, let's try this for a little while and see what happens. Um, for me, it's what changed my life, honestly. And, you know, until people try and have the open-mindedness, open-mindedness, I'm sorry, the word, um, to try things, you know, you're going to be stuck on repeat and life is too short. I, I know that all too well. It can go so quickly and end so quickly if you're not careful. So try these things. There, there is healing out there. Listen to people, listen to every episode of Boundless Body Radio, go back in the archives. There's a wealth of information there that Casey's put in hours of work to put out there for you guys. Well, thank you again very much for that. And I just, I, I, this is the, again, that aspect of your story that I absolutely love. And I think is so impactful for people just is to experiment, like you said, to really consider like, like, if I'm not feeling well, what things can I change? And, and on that note, when you look back, like, do, do you still have any lingering issues from being vegan for as long as you were? Or did, were you able to pretty much clear up everything? No, I definitely have some lingering issues. And that is a that is a part of having gone at it so hard for so long. Now that your listeners know my journey, 
uh, being vegetarian and then vegan afterwards. Some people can, can heal pretty quickly and heal pretty much everything pretty quickly. But I usually find those people didn't eat a plant-based way of living for very long. They may have dabbled in it for a year or two. For myself, I know it's going to be a long journey. I continue to dump oxalates. And by the way, for those that don't know, oxalate dumping is when they those crystals that you ingest in plants start moving out of your body and they go in painfully. And trust me, they come out twice as painful. It is not an easy thing. And there's only a few ways your body can excrete these crystals, these defense chemicals out of your body. One is through the stool, the other is through the urine, think kidney stones, uh, the uh, saliva and sweat. That's how we get those things out. And I continue to, to battle those. Um, as Sally said, you know, the, the dumps as they're called will get shorter in duration and further apart, but I know that it can take years. It can, but the incredible healing, the amount of exercise I'm able to do now, the weight that's coming back on me, you know, I've gone from 127 pounds up to hundred and almost 68, 70 pounds now, but mostly muscle. And I continue to put on weight, which is unbelievable for me. I look and feel like I'm 25 years younger than I am now. I feel great. I'm, I'm 50 years old and feel like I'm in my 20, 20s again. I really do. Wow. Yeah. This is the only lifestyle where you see that. Like you follow people enough in this world. They are literally reverse aging. I would submit that most <laughs> people look like they're going the wrong way. It's yeah. like Benjamin Button or whatever. Like, like they look like they're getting younger as they're aging. It's crazy. This is it. And this is why the secret is, you know, there is no secret as I posted about the secret is there is no secret. You can do this there. You just got to stick to what is the most beneficial diet for you. I fully believe that is removing things like sugar and toxic seed oils and controlling carbohydrates. And, uh, you know, the list goes on adding good animal based fats in there. God bless Dr. Ben Bickman, you know, prioritize protein, control carbs and fill with that. I mean, there you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can thrive on this way of eating. And I am evidence of it. So many other people we talk to have that evidence as well and are out there telling the world. And you just got to listen and be willing to try. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid. I was so concerned, Casey, for so long of doing things the wrong way. Oh my God, I'm not eating vegan the right way. Oh my God, I'm doing carnivore the right way. If I post about the fact that I added berries and bananas back in my diet, I may get excommunicated from the community. Come on. No, this is crazy. No. You know, I, you know, I actually had that thought, thought cross my mind, but you know, your listeners should know, you know, part, and this is Casey, let me, let me say this. This is where it's so nuanced for people. Okay. You have members in the community out there saying beef, salt, and water. God bless Michaela Peterson that healed so many things for her just down to that. And it's such a great way to heal so many autoimmune related conditions. Cause you can add things back after that and figure out what is not working for your body. It's an elimination diet. Some people may need to stay that eating that way forever. It's just that that's them. For me, because I'm coming from such a high oxalate-laden background, and it's not all just oxalates for me, but mine was particularly high. Sally would told me, and God bless her, and said, "Don't hey hey hey, don't eliminate everything at once on this journey. You will be in a world of hurt." And that's what happened to me. I went down to nothing, and I was like, "Oh my God, why am I feeling so terrible?" She said, "You need to add some low oxalate foods and fruits back in to stop this dumping process, or you're going to be miserable." So I had to add things like um, local bananas back in and some berries. That's pretty much it to stop the, the nighttime cramps and, and dumping process, or even have a, a, ba a tea bag, you know, because tea is high in oxalate at night. You know, that's not strictly carnivore, but we have to do these things to figure out what's working. That's, that's the simple truth, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. Uh, Monique Attinger just told us on a recent interview, one way you can do it as you're stepping off, she's known as the low ox coach on Twitter. Yep. One way you can do it is like have a few days of very low oxalate foods. And then one day where you do have a bit more of an oxalate bomb, you know, more so than you're probably comfortable with after learning about oxalates and wanting to get past that phase. But you're right. It's not just something that you can easily back away from. You got to do this very carefully. So I think that's really smart. Tell us a little bit more about your evolution with foods. Like what, when you first started carnivore, what did your diet look like? And now what does it look like? And how has that changed over time? Yeah. So when I first started, as I mentioned to you, I was eating a lot of fish. I added um, sort of the white meats back in the chicken and the porks. And because I had a hard time digesting red meat, it's just, you know, and I was clearly not fat adapted as I started. It was really rough, man. Uh, for those that don't know, as you begin to get fat adapted, you know, I went from the spectrum on veganism and being constipated to the complete opposite, as you know, on carnivore, trying to get the fats in there. Diarrhea is something that happens as people transition. We are talking reality here, Boundless Body Radio listeners. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I did that slowly. I, I ramped my fats up slowly also because my gallbladder um, was kicking back in, you know, and it's not having to work so hard and squeeze that bile out to get the, to help break down the fat. Um, but once I added the red meat and could digest it back in Casey, I am a steak fanatic now, man. I am, I am a brisket fiend. I love my steaks. You know, everyone loves a ribeye, but in terms of my diet, I eat a lot of eggs daily now, especially in the morning. Um, I'm a breakfast guy. I know some people aren't, but when I get up, I want to set myself up just myself for the best day possible. I have a full breakfast, usually four eggs, some turkey bacon, uh, two 80-20 ground beef patties, uh, and some raw cheese and a glass of kefir. That is my breakfast pretty much every day. Beautiful breakfast, man. I feel so great Sounds on it. Sounds amazing. I'm, I'm satiated all, you know, pretty much all day. I will, after I exercise, have um, uh, sort of a, a protein-type shake and some more hard-boiled eggs. Uh, in the evening is where I like to experiment with my meats. I get this, the uh, pressure cooker out or the air fryer and or the grill. Um, and I usually have a couple of different types of meat because my wife tends to prefer chicken and I prefer the red meat. So I'll cook some chicken for her and I'll have red meat, but I'm not afraid to experiment. And I'm excited now to try different forms of meat and duck and you name it. I'm, I'm going to try it. And in fact, I'm off soon uh, for my 50th birthday up to the beautiful state of Alaska, man. So I'm excited. Ah, wow. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So last time I went, Casey, I went as a vegan. This time I'm going as a meat eater. So it's going to be much more exciting. <laughs> so much of a better experience. That's amazing. I don't think I don't think a lot of native uh, vegan foods grow around Alaska. <laughs> no. Much better luck. It was really tough last time, man. I could smile about it now, but they looked at us like we were nuts. Like you came to Alaska to eat plants dude have you seen what's outside the window <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious wow that's amazing it, it, it's really interesting in this type of world also when somebody learns a proper diet they also seem to kind of figure out all the other things with lifestyle that really helps them out so yeah i i love the nutrition lever, I, I think for most people, it's the best one to pull first. And I think once you do that, you start to check some of the other boxes for like healthy lifestyle. But but it, it, again, it's interesting to see how homogenized this has become with a lot of people who are in this lifestyle. We all kind of tend to end up doing a lot of the same things, uh, you know, on our own. We have a lot of similarities. So tell us a little bit more about some of your other favorite lifestyle hacks and things that you do to stay healthy. Awesome. I love it. I love talking about the other hacks because, you know, people, we, we all post and talk about food a lot, but there are the other hacks that are just so great too, and so beneficial. Um, 
so as the brain fog started to lift and I was listening more, I started to listen, to, as you as you so clearly and eloquently put, that so many people that are on this journey of pulling that diet lever first want to figure out how they can optimize their health even further, right? So um, one of the first things I, I did to do that was uh, grounding every day. So in my stories, for the listeners, if they end up following me on Instagram, you'll see me post and it keeps me disciplined to it that I get up every morning to watch the sunrise, getting that light through your eyes um, to see the first light of the day and grounding at the same time, which is basically barefoot on the earth, um, you know, to get those negative ions because we spend far too much time in front of screens, don't we all, despite our best efforts, we have to these days. Um, and just that simple process of grounding, looking at the sunrise in the morning and the sunrise and grounding in the evening helps set the circadian rhythm, helps, I just use it as a time to reflect on what I plan to accomplish for the day and what I have done that day at the end of the day and looking forward to the next one. It's a great way to just get your mind right before you sleep. And that's a great segue into sleep and things that you can do to help your sleep, because that's the next biggest lever for me, even sometimes above food. But sometimes, as you know, Casey, it takes the food and the diet to get the sleep better. So it can come first or come after the food. But after food, great I point. think, I think the, the sleep is a huge one. And we all know a cool room. Um, we all know um, sleep hygiene is being so important. You know, I wear an eye mask that blocks out all the light every night. Um, I make sure that, you know, I'm, I feel like an old man in that regard, I, even though I feel like I'm 25 in physical age, but I go to bed at, as soon as the sun goes down now, nine o'clock, 930, I'm in bed, man. And I'm up at like four thirty, quarter to five every day to greet the day. And it's just a wonderful way of living. And you'll find, you know, we do all our healing at nighttime, don't we? We do our body you know, releases all the toxins from its brain, you know, the glymphatic system. And, you know, we build our hormones and repair tissue while we sleep. It's so important, especially if you're like us, especially you physically active during the day, you want that time to be able to, um, you know, repair the body. Um, something else that I've done is I've added infrared sauna and cold plunges in. And I did that actually before I even went carnivore and it was, it was beneficial. It was helpful um, because I was trying to figure a way you know, for someone that's trying to get toxin, toxins out of their body, when I was in my deep, dark days, uh, one of the few things that I could do was try and get a sweat on during uh, an infrared sauna session. You know, one of the things I noticed, Casey, back in the day when you asked me, you know, should I have noticed when I was younger in my vegetarian days, was there anything that, you know, I noticed now versus I didn't put together when I was vegetarian was I couldn't sweat. No matter what I did, I lost the ability to sweat. People would remark on it. I'd be out in the Bermuda summer heat pedaling to work and I just would not break a sweat. Wow. And as, as we know, that's the main way the body expels toxins. It's, it's, it's a sign that something's not working right. That and the sex hormones. But yeah, infrared sauna and cold plunges. I basically fill up my bathtub with ice. I did one this morning after I did my walk um, and just got cold, man. It's great. The hormesis, the, that benefit, it's really clears the mind. Got me ready and excited for our talk today. Yeah, those that's are amazing. Few, yeah, man. Those are the few yeah. things that I do. And I do, I do the grounding every day, twice a day. I do the saunas probably, you know, it's summertime, not as much because it's so hot here, but you know, at least once a week, the cold plunges definitely a couple of times a week for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. I was going to ask you about sauna. Is there a particular timing in the day that you like to do that? Um, I like to do it post-exercise, believe it or not. Um, I like to get a little bit of a lather going now 
and that's so that sauna brings even more because the, the the lather from the exercise and the exercise itself is creating that little bit of hormetic stress as we know and then the lather created afterwards is expelling you really get a deeper sweat when you're already starting to sweat from the ex post exercise and i really get a good sweat going and feel great afterwards and take a cold shower right after the sauna it's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah, yes. that's amazing. I've been using my sauna right before bed, and I swear my sleep has gotten so much better because of oh, it. That's kind of why yeah. I asked. Absolutely. That's one of the things that um, for sure that people talk about is one of the benefits from infrared sauna is the sleep improvement, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When it comes to movement, what other things are you doing? I know you prioritize certain movements in your day, which I absolutely love. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I... I wrecked my my knees in my earlier days and and my shoulder separating it. So getting back into lifting weights was one of the first things because as I mentioned to you when I was at my sickest, I just was so disappointed in myself that I couldn't pick up light weights or have the strength to do it. I was like, who am I? Why is this happening? So I've gotten back into some weightlifting during the pandemic. And when I was in my healing journey, we bought, my wife and I bought a little, just a little simple set of weights and a weight bench and a home gym. And I I get in there in the mornings after breakfast and I feel really good and throw some weight around. But every, so my, my schedule is kind of like, um, I, I go for these weighted walks with um, 25 pounds on my back and then another 10 pounds on my ankle and I continue to add weight and I go for a five kilometer walk and it has been incredible. Um, you got to get, you know, your body, I was trying to coax my body into, and my musculature into get, getting used to carrying weight again. And I think it worked. I think, you know, if you can sort of trick your body and trick your mind into being strong and getting ready to, you know, because my um, enviously trying to put weight back on as so many people are trying to lose it. But until you've been on the other side of the spectrum where you're so deadly thin that it, you just look like a scarecrow, it's people can understand, right? But the, the weighted walks I do every other day and the days I'm not doing my weighted walk if it's raining or the, the alternate days I lift weights at our little home gym and it's been unbelievable. So great. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's you, amazing. And, and stretches in the evening, very important one. Before I go to bed, I put on my headphones. I'm usually listening to your voice in my ears as I do so. I kid you not. And uh, my, wife, my wife, who is a, a great yoga practitioner and also into stretching in the evenings has got me into my stretching routine just to, and that quietens me down. I come in and I put on my blue light blocking glasses with her and we sit and we talk about the day usually before we go to bed. It's great routine. Beautiful. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So I, I was, we ended up not going, but I was preparing for my annual backpacking trip. And one of my clients has one of those weighted vests and he had one that was 20 pounds and one that was 50 pounds. You could actually wear both at the same time. And he asked me if I wanted to try it in preparation for the backpacking trip. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a try. It sounds okay. Dude, that is really tough. It's 50 tough. pounds is a lot of weight. It first of all motivated me to not gain 50 pounds of my lifestyle because just moving around with that much more weight would be so challenging. And carrying that load around was really, really tough. Yeah, it's, and Bermuda for your listeners is really hilly. And when I go up those hills, man, it, people see me, they, I, I look like a crazy person too, with all these weights on my ankles and weights <laughs> on my back. And I've got my, uh, my water jug attached to my chest on a little carabiner clip. And, but I'm out there, man, listening to podcasts as I walk and just enjoying it, but it is tough. It's tough, tough, but it's good. I feel so great after I get back. It's so great. Yeah, that's amazing. I always pick up trash in my neighborhood when I'm out on my morning walks. And the thought of like bending over to like, you know, squat or deadlift to grab a bottle off the ground was like so daunting. It was really tough. 
But yep. I did notice too, ironically, like I would get really tired and sore, but as long as I stayed on the diet and I kept eating carnivore, my recovery, like the next day I felt so fresh and way better. And I, I would not have thought I could have recovered from that kind of an effort so quickly. Great point. Because uh, when I first started my walks, I was transitioning and going through all that stuff. And yeah, I got sore and, you know, oxalate dumping aside and muscle tensions. But now as I've gone further in my journey, months and months, I don't get nearly as sore as I used to. It's it's incredible. And I'm just looking forward to each day now and bouncing back. I'm like, man, I just, I went for a walk, waited walk this morning and I feel like I want to go have a gym session now. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, totally. The other thing that I noticed, and I, I can definitely notice this with you just by you know your posts and seeing you now on, on our Zoom call is the ability for the skin to deal with the sun. I am almost positive that you were probably someone who burned a lot if you went out into the sun. Do you ever get burned now? Nope. No, and that's a great observation. I, and it's again one of the things in the community that is talked about quite often as a as a fringe benefit is not having to use the toxic sunscreen stuff as we go out. I really do not. Here's case in point: we are in the height of Bermuda summer, and last weekend I went with a buddy of mine to the beach, and and Gabby, we all went to the beach and sat out. Uh, you know, my wife doesn't like being in the sun as much as I do, but I was out in the sun, frolicking in the sea and surf, and came home, and we've been out there for hours, and I came home, and I'm like, oh, I should be. Nope, no burn. Nothing. Nothing at all. Just yeah. turns tan. That's it. Yeah, that's amazing. And and all of that to say, like, don't get a sunburn. You should not no. get a sunburn. But your best protection for a sunburn is a really nice tan. You can tolerate the sun so much better. If you think about that, like midday sun where you are, like that is really intense light. Oh, and you're right, like the ability for your eyes to even adjust. You're like, I'd never use sunglasses anymore. Like your body Neither. can adapt. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. Me either. I, I literally had bought all these beautiful, expensive Oakleys prior to prior to carnivore <laughs> and I don't even use them. I don't need to use them. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. There's so many just unbelievable things that are, are coming to fruition on this way of eating and just following a healthy lifestyle that you never think are possible, but can be tying back yeah. to what I said earlier. That's so cool. So going back to, you know, earlier when we were talking about Dr. Sean Baker, now you are in the process of getting certified to be a coach for his company. So what does that mean to now be able to help other people with their journey? Oh, man, it was so great to learn that that was a possibility even to begin with. I, I remember when I saw that he was or listened to his podcast and he was offering that. I knew I knew before I even went carnivore that I it would if if and when I was if I could heal myself, it would be something that I would want to do um, because having gone through the journey and your listeners have heard it to be able to share and help, as I said before, anyone that's willing to listen or just is struggling out there uh, without a dogmatic approach with just trying to be as helpful as I possibly can. I, I, I'm just so looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'm close. I've, I've taken the written exam. I have a few videos now that he's, uh, they, you have to submit, you know, sort of case study videos where you do that. And I plan to do that and, you know, finish those up while I'm on vacation. Cause I just haven't had the time beforehand. But uh, yeah, certainly by the end of this year, I'm going to be up and running, my man. I'm excited. I am really excited. That's so awesome. That's so yeah. awesome. It's been such a fun thing to add in my personal life and, and the ability for people all over the world to book a conversation with you. It's it's so fun to be able to help people with their unique issues. And and really, for a lot of people, they, they're doing the research. They're looking into this because they're forced to. They're in such poor health or something drives them to find out about this. And they come to you and they, they know kind of what they're doing. And it's so often, it's almost like you're just trying to give somebody permission and just help them understand that, yes, it's okay to eat this way. It's totally fine. Let's just reassure you, answer a few questions. But for the most part, the people that come are, are people that are very smart and have done a lot of research. 
Yeah. And, that, and that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head, Casey. It's reassurance because people are smart. We're all smart individuals, or I like to think we are. And, you know, we go online and we do research, like smart people do research on what it is that they're, especially if you're coming from a, a place of illness, you want to make sure that the, you can handle the side effects. If you're on any medication that, you know, your, your physician is aware and the person is aware, but you need someone with sort of an empathetic view that may have been through this before. You don't need the expert per se, but you just need someone to lend a, lend an ear that is, has been through something similar and can just offer compassion and just uh, some advice on the journey. Isn't that right? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And maybe this is an interesting point to talk about your day job, which is in life insurance. So you were able to go back into the industry, which is amazing. But mm -hmm. I would love to know, what are you noticing in the general population, especially when you contrast it to your journey through health and how you feel currently? What are you noticing in a majority of the population? Oh, man, Casey, I'm so thankful for the job after having been unemployed for a while and so sick that I couldn't be employed, you know, I've been on disability on my last job before I got made redundant. Um, so I start there by saying, I'm so thankful for the job. It's been eye opening. I started and I had an insurance career for many years prior to this. I got out of it for a while, but I'm back in it. Um, so yeah, for the listeners, my job is in life insurance and, you know, fundamentally, I think life insurance is a good thing, especially when you're saving for a kid's education or protecting your loved ones in the unforeseen event that you got in an accident or whatever, whatever life throws our way. It's, it's an important thing, but part of my underwriting process is to look at the health of people and, you know, rate them or decline them sadly, accordingly based on the company's, uh, core underwriting guidelines. And, you know, we write primarily in Latin America, all through Latin America and in the in Taiwan as well. But the metabolic health of the people that I underwrite is unbelievable in terms of it is how poor it is. It is scary how many people out there are suffering with type one, type two diabetes, with cancer, with various forms of other metabolic diseases that are just rampant. And it saddens me some days. It saddens me some days because I see um a person that wants to do right by their family or their young child, but I cannot provide that policy for them because of the state of health that they're in. And more than likely, it's through no fault of their own. It could have years of eating poorly unbeknownst to them or eating the diet that they thought was appropriate, but it's really scary. Um, uh, it, on a daily basis, I am inundated with them and going through them. And the saddest part of it all is when you get the claims, right? And sadly, people have passed because of whatever disease that they're, they're, they're going with. It's not a fun thing. And to have to adjudicate the claims process, it's eye-opening, to say the least. Wow. What, what metrics are you looking at? Like, your company has those core standards. Like, what things are you looking at? Oh, they run, they run every blood test on, under on the panel. You know, we rate people based on nicotine usage. You know, sadly, still, especially in Latin America, nicotine usage is pretty rampant. Um, uh, blood glucose level, diabetic levels, you know, um, fecal calprotectin, you know, for inflammation, if they've had a history, basically, there's a, a set of questions that they go through at the beginning, if anything triggers a response out of the underwriting guidelines, then we go in for further details. If that triggers a response, then it goes into even further details on medical histories and, and, and background. Um, but we have to because, as you know, you're dealing with substantial amounts of money. And you just have to look at people's health. But yeah, yeah, it's... It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. And I know you used to work on, you told me with a metabolic heart, right? 
Yeah, yeah, we did. And and these were people in a high-end gym who were choosing to go there and were spending money to do this particular test. And so you could argue like this is the top maybe five or ten percent of, of people that are that are coming in to be able to do this and really care about their fitness. It, it's just it's it's so different now. If you go out anywhere, you see it. It's not just that people are overweight or obese. People are very sick, like really, really, really sick. You can see you know, the people that it's like, you're going to have some type of amputation in the next year or two, if you don't do something like you see, it's everywhere. It's crazy. It is. And when I see the rampant, especially, especially metabolic diseases like diabetes, type two, uh, type one, and then the heart diseases, oh man, the, the heart, the heart issues that I see, it's, I, I almost expect now when I get a policy to open it up and see them, that's how bad it is. I mean, when I go, well, oh, this is a pretty clean case. That's a rarity. You know, put it aside. It's more it's, rare. Oh, for sure. Wow. For sure. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just a recent trip to Costco. I, I just decided in my head, I want to just see, I'm going to count how many people I can tell aren't obviously like very obviously metabolically sick. And I counted on one hand, the number of people in that store that, that were, were not past that point of health. And I just, mm -hmm. I, I look, I, I look and see that I see that in the normal population. And then I see people like you that have, you know, gone through such poor health who changed it turned it around and are so passionate about that all they want to do is share it and again it's just part of the reason why i so much love you and your message and everything that you're sharing with people it's just got to be the most meaningful thing in your life to now be able to you know have have a voice and, and tell your story and hopefully change some lives you know casey i appreciate that more than you know and <clears throat> gets me a little emotional again because for so long i struggled with you know, finding one's purpose in life. Right. And I kept thinking to myself, okay, I'm, I'm good at this, but is this what I want to do with my life? I'm, I'm good at this, yeah, but it's not inspiring me as I, as I want to. I, I remember, you know, I took various breaks and uh, from the insurance industry, I actually got into the wine industry for a while. I was great. I'm great at selling wine and knew all there was to about wine, but there came a point where I was like, okay, this is not my purpose in life. And, you know, getting as ill and sick as I did and coming through that and really realizing, as I mentioned before, how precious life is and getting my health back and being able to, to warn others and not only warn them, but help them is, I know that's what I'm meant to do now for the rest of the time that I've got in breath and my lungs on this planet. That's it, man. I got to do it. Got to do that's it. Amazing. That's amazing. That reminds me of a quote on one of our shared favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption. Which yes. quote am I thinking of? And I'm going to let you say it, man. Go. Get busy living or get busy yes, dying. Yes, that's it. I said that to you earlier, man. It's one of my favorites. It really is. And what an amazing movie. What an amazing chat, Casey. This has been so phenomenal. And I can't thank you enough for having giving me the opportunity to come on and share my story. Um, you are, as I've said, an amazing talent, an amazing resource. You and your wife, Bethany, are doing so much good out there, and it's coming back to you in spades, I hope. I know it is. And I, I really want to just say, you know, keep up the great work. And I'm here for you guys if you ever need anything or want to invite me back. Maybe not after all my diet advice. <laughs> Absolutely. We would love to invite you back. And we're so grateful for you and for your amazing story and being willing to share that with us here. Tell us where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? Absolutely. So yeah, my main thing right now is on Instagram. 
at the underscore carnivorist. Um, and I'm sure Casey will have a link to that in the show notes as he always does. I plan to expand. I plan to get a YouTube page. Uh, my next thing is I want to do some lives on Instagram with people, just, just people that are out there that are doing the same thing we are and promoting their message quietly. There's so many great people that have such a great story to tell that may differ from mine and yours, Casey, and you've taught so many people and given a light to shine a light on so many people i want to do the same so that's the next stage uh, but yeah instagram mainly now youtube shortly to follow i hope yeah that's amazing we'll link to your instagram for sure and when you get your youtube up and running just let me know so we can link to that as well james layman it was absolute pleasure and honor to host you today thank you for your wonderful story and thank you for the inspiration like seriously this i i, I know this is going to change a lot of lives and we so much appreciate you and everything you've done so thank you so very much for everything and thank you for being on our show today we really appreciate you huge smile on my face thank you casey thank you so much absolutely and this has been another episode of balanced body radio